0: Hallelujah. Remain standing if you're able to. Take your Bibles and turn to the second chapter of 1 Corinthians. We do have notes for you, as is our custom to help you grow in the things of God. They've discovered that when people take notes, they're able to retain significantly more information than when they don't. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, let's read from verse 1 and uh through verse four and then we'll go to second corinthians chapter four if you're all there uh, pardon me first corinthians first corinthians chapter four. First corinthians chapter two first are you ready all right if you don't have a bible they're going to put that up first corinthians chapter two verse one and i brethren when i came to you did not come with excellency of speech or of wisdom declaring to you the testimony of god For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and power that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. I want to read verse four along with you. You ready? Let's do it together. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter four now. If you're all there, say amen. amen. First Corinthians chapter four, and we want to read from verse eighteen. First Corinthians chapter four, and verse eighteen, and we'll go through uh, twenty. Now some are puffed up as though we were not coming to you, but I will come to you shortly if the Lord wills, and I will know not the word of those who are puffed up, but the power. For the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. Let's pray. Father, we thank and praise you for your goodness towards us and for what you did in the first service. Now what you'll do in the second. Come by your anointing. Come by your power. Speak to us. May we never be the same because you have spoken. Let the words, your word, go deep down into our heart to be activated, to change us, to transform us. Put out the heart of stone. Put in the heart of flesh. Release your kingdom here in this place in the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. The kingdom of God's power was expressed through the ministry of Jesus. You look in the Old Testament, you'll see in the Old Testament that, that people had more of a sovereign view of God and His power. But when Jesus comes in the New Testament, it's like light and dark. It's like somebody turns on a light and you really get to see what God is like, that that he's a good God. Come on, someone say he's good. In the Old Testament, they weren't quite sure if he sent disaster on them and so on and so forth. But when you see all who come to Jesus are healed. Acts chapter 10, verse 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, who went about doing good and healing all that were sick and oppressed of the devil. That's what he did. Everywhere Jesus went, he released the power of the kingdom. You know why? Because where the king is, so is the kingdom. I've told you before, but I'll tell you again. And those I disciple, those are part of my, of course, I'm discipling you now. If you're here, this is your church. And if it's not, we invite you to find a good church. This is a good one. There's others. You need to find a local church and get discipled there. But when I say those I disciple, I mean really not just you folks, but those that are part of leadership. I encourage them to, to read a book called The Gospel of the Kingdom by George Ladd. It is one of the most incredible books on the kingdom of God. It's mandatory reading for anybody in Christendom. The Gospel of the Kingdom by George Ladd. Amazing, small book, but very deep. George Ladd says it this way, where the king is, so is the kingdom. And so where Jesus showed up, darkness had to flee. Demons had to go. Sickness had to go. Impossibilities bowed the knee, as I say so often in my communication to you. And so where Jesus shows up, the devil's got to leave the dead are raised. Oh, what I love about him. If it's lost, he can find it. If it's broken, he can fix it. If it's dead, he can raise it up. He's God. And so I want to preach to you a message entitled, Walking in the Supernatural. Walking in the Supernatural. You say, where did that come from? The Lord speaks to me in many different ways. I'm currently not in, speaks to us, I should say, in many different ways, many different ways that God can speak to us. I'm usually in a series and I am wrestling over exactly which series to bring forth. I have a series on healing I'm working on. A series on the Sermon on the Mount. And as I, as I am in this waiting time seeking the Lord, He's begun to just highlight certain special messages. And I've been bringing those to you. And that's what this is. This was um, crafted and brought about by the Holy Spirit upon my own heart. A number of different circumstances and, uh, and things that took place. One of which... Was uh, shocking and amazing to me. I was talking with a young college student. I mean, you know, some college students are not young. I was talking to a college student, and uh, we were talking about what is the greatest miracle you've ever seen. They go to a Christian school, and uh, and a spirit-filled Christian school. So it's not just not just a Christian school, but a school that believes actually in the power of God, the power of the Spirit, miracles. And so I was talking, well, you know, what is the greatest miracle you've ever seen? And this is how their answer was to me Well, I don't want to be hyper spiritual or anything. But do you remember when they began to tell me an, an event that took place? But the Holy Spirit highlighted that I don't want to be hyper spiritual. And I thought there's something radically wrong with that statement right there. Now, how many of you know there are hyper-spiritual, hyper-spirituality? I mean, people that are so, so heavenly-minded, there are no earthly good. I, I, I've seen people that are so earthly-minded, they are no heavenly good. I've seen that too. So I want to talk about walking in the supernatural. Because really, it is God's intention, God's plan that you and I would walk in a dimension of power that signs and wonders follow, the preaching follow everywhere you go. Come on, these signs will follow and them that believe. Is there anyone that is a believer here? If you're not, we can fix that a little bit later. We're all six or seven of you are believers. Praise God, wave at me. Come on, hallelujah. Give me a little Pentecostal shake. Yeah, these signs follow them that believe. They'll, they'll, they'll lay hands on the sick, they shall recover, right? They'll pray with new tongues. You know, it's lots of promises Towards us as believers. The gospel of God's power. The gospel of the kingdom. It's God's intention to release his power. From, from, the, from the very beginning. In the garden of Eden. He chose Adam and Eve. And he wanted to use them to release his power in the earth. He gave them amazing authority. Named all the animals. Right. I mean it's amazing. Naming all the animals. He gave them dominion. Amazing. There's only one thing they couldn't do, and that's the one thing they did. Crazy. Don't touch the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Just one thing. It's a picture of the tithe. Come on. You, it's not all yours. There's, there's certain things that belong to God. Don't touch that. And yet, they were deceived by the devil. And the, and the enemy came and spoke to him. And if you go and study that, and I've preached on it other times, you go and study that. The enemy deceives Eve promising her, promise, you know, making God seem like he's holding things back and promises her that which she already has. Right. And she takes the bait and she ate from the tree and then she went and got Adam and Adam, you know, he didn't want to do without, this is now bone of my bone. So he joined her in death. And the Lord comes and deals with them. And he covers them with tunics of skin. Now I believe it's a lamb just because it's consistent. With the sacrificial system all the way to the final sacrifice, Jesus, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, He covers them with tunics of skin, meaning an animal had to get killed without the shedding of blood, as it says in Leviticus. There is no forgiveness of sin. Covers them. They tried to cover themselves with the fig leaves. That's a picture of religion. You can try to cover your nakedness by the acts of going. To, you can go to church as much as you want, and you're still going to split hell wide open unless you get born again. You must be born again. you got to be born again. There's no way to go to heaven unless you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Any more than you can become a car by standing in your garage. Any more than you can become a a monkey can put on a suit and become part of the human race. You, you You can't change your nature. You can't deal with your sin except for the death, the perfect sacrifice of Jesus' death and resurrection. And by you re- repenting, asking him to forgive you. That's the only way to make it in. And so that, that that sacrificial system, it brought to fulfillment in Jesus, is all through the Old Testament. And God was constantly looking for a family. Adam and Eve, they failed. And so they are kicked out of the garden, and they have some children, Cain and Abel. And Cain and Abel failed. And finally, things get so corrupt there in Genesis that... That that, that God's just going to bring a a worldwide flood and just wipe everybody out. He's grieved that he made mankind, but he finds Noah, a preacher of righteousness, in the middle of a crooked and a depraved generation. And as it is in the days of as it was in the days of Noah, so it shall be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. The same days that we're living in. Noah didn't even have the power of the Holy Spirit. Didn't have the word that you hold in your hand or on your device today. He didn't have the word of God. He only had God's word as He spoke it to him. And God said, "I'm going to deal with all this. I'm going to bring a flood." But but I, but I've chosen you, a preacher of righteousness, and I want you to make a boat. A what? A boat? What's that? I'm, I'm going to want you to make this thing. It's these are the dimensions and gopher wood and put pitch on it because I'm sending rain. What's that? Rain? I'm going to flood the earth. It's going to flood everything. Everybody's going to die, but you're going to live. Well, I don't really understand that. It takes them a hundred years to build it. You thought your building. You thought your building project took long. Hundred years. Hundred years to build a boat. Nobody ever knew what that was, and nobody ever heard of rain. And so. God puts them in the boat. It's a picture of the church. It's a picture of many things. And It's interesting how the, the and God shut them in the ark because he knew that Noah couldn't shut the door. God shut them in the ark and he carried them off to safety. And, you know, 40 days and he lands on the mountain of Ararat. And when he comes out, it's like, it's like the Lord is starting over. And he says to Noah, be fruitful and multiply. The very same thing he said to Adam and Eve. But they failed too. And from them come all the nations of the table of nations and you can study that and I've preached it at other times and God chooses a special select group of people through Abraham Jews and he makes basically through them and through their offspring Abraham Isaac Jacob becomes Israel Israel has 12 sons And those are the 12 tribes of Israel that God would bring his expression of his power and his kingdom through Israel and that through Israel would come the final sacrifice, the last Adam, the Messiah, Mashiach, Yahshua would come. And that through the death of Jesus, all mankind would be able to be redeemed, washed, cleansed, and, and have their names in the Lamb's book of life, not blotted out. God wants a family. And when you look at all of history and how God's done it, He has always released miracles and power and demonstration to show that He's God over and over and over. Come on, somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. The kingdom of God continued to be expressed through the early church. In fact, the whole first three centuries, the early church grew the church, not by lectures, not by human wisdom and persuasion, but through demonstration of the Spirit's power. They didn't even know anything else. And the Apostle Paul in this text, which we're gonna look at, he really deals with it in an amazing way. So look at your notes, the kingdom of God continued to be expressed through the early church, through the name of Jesus, and through the power of the Holy Spirit. Let me read to you some of these scriptures, Acts 2 and 43, everyone was filled with awe At the many wonders. How many? Many. I mean, we don't know. It's a lot. Many wonders. What are wonders? They're signs that make you go, whoa. Signs that make you wonder. That's what a wonder is. Performed by the apostles. Acts chapter 5 and verse 12. The apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people, and all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. I I had one one person say to me a number of years ago, I haven't heard this in in a while, but, well, there's signs and wonders, and there's power, but that was with the apostles, well, if it was just the apostles, don't you think they would have told us in the word that all of this ends with the apostles? Just just start the early church, and then you don't have any power after that. I would think they would tell us. I think it would be in the word. It's not in the word. They would say, "Well, all the apostles. Well, what about Stephen? Stephen was an apostle. Stephen, are you here? I'm, I'm just teasing." Come on, Acts 6 and verse 8. Now, Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed great wonders. Who was he? He was, he was a part of the, the Gentile church, that the, the Hellenistic believer that, that came and was added to the distribution of food when there was a disruption there in the book of Acts and they had to restructure things. And he was part of the answer along with some other uh, Grecian believers. And so, Stephen wasn't an apostle, he was a believer. And he was brought into a place where he brought signs and wonders. And you see that in Samaria, where he opened up another well that Jesus had opened prior. Samaritans. They didn't even like Samaritans. They had racial problems back then, too. And in Acts 8, verse 6, it says, When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they did what? They saw the signs he performed. Let me, let me just, I'm going to give you a little stinger. I love you. Amen? When's the last time you saw a sign that you actually performed? When's the last sign and wonder you actually, God did through you praying? You said last week. Good. He said, well, I'm not a Stephen. Well, really, you're supposed to be. We are, we're supposed to be. It's actually God's plan. See, listen. Some of this is going to sting, but you're going to leave encouraged, okay? Come on, bump your neighbor and say, man, it's good to be in church. Praise the Lord. The meat of the word is that which convicts you and brings change. So, so this is how this has come about. We have empty chairs here today, right? There's some empty chairs. So I've been convicted about that lately. So I'm thinking, when Jesus is really in a place, then there's no room. There's no room. I mean, they have to, you know, they, they cut holes and ceilings and lower people in. I mean, it's like, there's just crowds and multitudes. I mean, they don't even count them anymore because multitudes, you can't count multitudes. There's like 1,000 got, 3,000 got saved, 5,000 got saved. And then they go, there are multitudes because they don't know how many there are. And when they say 3,000 and 5,000, they're counting men. They're not counting women and children. So it's really 20, feeds 20,000. Where are those kind of men? Well, you're not the Lord. okay. Okay, okay, I I understand that. But he does live on the inside of us, does he not? He does. So theologically, we understand that we're here in the earth, but we're also seated with Christ in heavenly places. We understand that we're here. We have power. We have authority. These signs will follow them that believe, right? Am I right? So shouldn't there be thousands of people getting saved? Yes. Yes. So I have allowed for the Lord to just disturb me this week to pick on me, to say, where are the thousands? Oh, don't, I've had people pat me on the back and say, don't be so hard on yourself, man. Hey, nothing to do with being hard on myself. I'm loving him to the best I know how. Where are the thousands? Where are the, the miracles? Oh, no, we've had miracles. Yeah, we do. We do have miracles. I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad we have some miracles. But, I mean, if God really broke out, come on, we're a really amazing service today. Maybe 50 people. I mean, that would be, like, amazing. 50 people get saved. Where are the thousands? Where are they? Where, when is that happening? So I was wrestling with the Lord, and that's what you should do. Don't, don't, make, a, don't make a theological doctrine out of your impotency. That's stinking good. That's a good tweet right there. So, so you have a lack, you have you have a lack of power and something that mocks your theology. You change your theology to, to match your, that. Now I'm not talking to anybody specific. I'm just saying many are challenged about that. They say, well, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't see healing, so healing's probably not for today. No, no, there's healing. You're the one with the issue. Come on. We have to, we, come on, believe. I want to try to push you, to encourage you, to believe for miracle power in your family, miracle power in your job, miracle power in your home. I want you to believe for cancers to go, disease to go, infirmity to go. You've got to get on fire and put yourself in a position. Come on, those of you at home, Listen. Come on, God can set you on fire and you can be used as a catalyst to bring the revival. How about that? He took a bunch of teenagers and turned the known world upside down. The the apostles were teenagers basically. 17, 18, 19 years old. Where are the 17, 18, 19 year olds? Stuck and frozen on Facebook. Stuck and frozen and Insta-tweeting, gramming stuff. Addicted to Xbox 360 looking for the next thing to shoot or play. Oh, not all of them. There are some on fire. But most of the Western culture has been boiled in an intellectual pride that say that, well, you need to to have... They were simple, uneducated fishermen. I'm not nothing against fishermen. I'm just saying we wait many times to get educated so then we can be used by God. I'm going to tell you it's a mistake. Okay, I'm going to calm down just for a second. Just a second. Let's look at this text. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4. I'm going to read the New International Version. My message and my preaching are not with wise, persuasive words, but with the demonstration of the Spirit's power. What's happening is that the Apostle Paul is defending himself. He's defending himself against these prideful people, this segment within the church that sees man's wisdom and rhetoric as, an, as important in order to be accepted as a preacher. And here's the thing about the Apostle Paul. He was not a good preacher, if you define being a good preacher by somebody who's eloquent and could put his words together and communicate clearly in that way. Very educated under Gamal. I mean, I, I just see this as like, man, he can't even talk. He can't even speak right. I mean, listen to him. I am Groot. I mean, he can't talk right. I mean, he's just, he's, you know, how about Moses? Why did he pick the great orator Moses. Oh, he might have stuttered, but man, what is that in his hand? Oh, that's the rod of God. Yeah, don't mess with Moses. You see, all throughout the Bible, you see the kingdom being expanded through, through people who, who are, 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 are even weak. Not, 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 not the bright, not the shining, those who are willing. And I am so challenged to say that God wants to bring a demonstration through you in your home, to challenge you to say that, that you can walk in the supernatural, you can flow in supernatural power if you'll just believe. Apollos was a great lawyer, a great orator, trained in rhetoric, Apollos. And when he spoke, man, it had to be amazing. But he needed to be trained in the way, more rightly, by, by Paul's disciples. And, but Paul, Paul was saying, it's not just the ability to talk that's important. I mean, how many of you have to speak in order to preach? But he's talking about real preaching is not that which is dizzy you through intellectual, uh, uh, you know, mind-boggling Revelations. Let me, let me say this. If all you do is get a revelation that allows for you to then communicate that to your small group, to your neighbor, to a group of people that wows everybody about the revelation you got, but the revelation doesn't bring you to an encounter, then your revelations bunk. You see, all real touches of God make you more like Jesus, bring you to a greater walk of holiness, purity. They affect your life, change your character, and change those that are around you. You want to know what a genuine move of the Holy Spirit is? It glorifies Jesus. People get changed. People come to him. There's signs and wonders, and the person isn't all puffed up who's bringing it. Although I've seen the Lord just, you know, he honors his name. So I've seen the I've seen the person who's been in sin, and, and God uses him to bring major healing and breakthroughs and miracles, and then it's discovered, oh, yeah, he ran off with Susie Q or whatever. But how many of you know, I always wondered about that when that would happen. How is that, that, that all this power is being put on display through this person, and then we just find out he's a drunkard and, a, and, a, and an adulterer. How does how that happen? Well, simple. It's really easy. Want to know the answer? God honors the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus is the name of Jesus, whether you're saved or not. It's the greatest name, the strongest name. In the name of Jesus. Demons flee, number one. Number two, God will honor faith from people. So when people come to say, oh, Lord, you can touch me and heal me when this man preaches, when he lays hands on me. Oh, and God will honor their faith. He honors his name, too. So even though somebody's in sin, there can still be miracles. The apostle Paul defines his ministry as, as based on the demonstration of the Spirit's power. Theology, as I've said many times before, theology is to bring you closer into an encounter with God That the encounter with God would then transform your life. That those who know you are connected to you and those you minister to are then transformed by the revelation, the theological revelation that has illuminated your heart. So if you have revelation or you're studying theology that doesn't bring you to a closer encounter with God, you should probably just stop and, and, and develop a prayer life that then spurs your theology to bring you to an encounter. Listen, being discipled is not just learning the word. It's it's learning the word is only about gosh, it's probably 50% of having a renewed mind. You can study the scriptures, you can there are scholars that'll know 10 times as much as all of us in the room. And they've never let anybody to Jesus. They've got no power, they have no spiritual authority. Their prayer life is nil, but they can understand the minutia down to the every jot and tittle and speak all the Hebrew and all of that. I'm not against that. I think we should be educated, but for God's sake, we owe the world an encounter of God. We owe them that. And you can't teach demons. But our whole western world is so emphasized teaching. Teaching brings you to an encounter which brings transformation. If you don't have the encounter, then you should check who's teaching you. What are you talking about? I love Christian radio. Um, you You might not like this, but I'm just being honest for me. I listen to very little Christian radio because I find very little anointed teaching on Christian radio. What do you mean? The word of God is a word of God that goes forth it doesn't return void. But I I I don't know what it is, but I can't listen to somebody who just teaches but there's 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 no life on it. I don't know how else to describe it. Does that make sense? I, I, there's no life on it. It's like when I'm hearing it, I'm not sure they believe what they're telling me. I'm just kind of like, there, there's, there's no oil on it. He's like, well, you're a Pentecostal. I know. Yeah, I, Pentecostals. I believe in the, in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and I believe that God wants to fill you full of fire so that you can change your home. What good is our religion if it doesn't change us, if it doesn't bring miracles? What? Come on. I mean, we're just, come on. Oh, we're still better off. Yes, I believe that. You live holy, you live right. God'll bless you. But come on, I don't want to leave anything on the table. I want every gift that God has for me. So the Apostle Paul defines his ministry as a demonstration of spirit's power. And 1 Corinthians chapter four, verse 18, look at this. Some of you become arrogant as if I were not coming to you. Wow. Did any of you remember when you were a kid and you're up in your room and you got your light on and your parents told you to go to bed or your mom or your dad and go to sleep, turn the light, time to go to bed, right? Okay. They leave and the light goes on and you're like, ha ah. And you're just playing and you're scampering around with your brother or whatever. And, and all of a sudden, yeah, I think they're coming. They're coming. Right. You pull the covers over and, and, and you lie down and quick, and the door. Door, eh, door opens up. Lights out, of course. Boys, I know you're awake. <coughs> <laughs> the apostle Paul's writing to the church in Corinth and he says, there's those of you that have gotten arrogant and say this and they say that and, and I, I'm, I'm coming. Dad is coming. Yeah. they were arrogant. They're talking against the apostle Paul as though he didn't know anything. And he says, I'm coming, and I love what it says. I'm going to find out what kind of power they have. Dude, that's amazing. So here's these people talking, jawjacking, and undermining him. He hears about it. He sends a letter and says, I'm coming. I'm, don't make me come down there. Yeah, I'm coming. I'm going to come out. I'm going to visit you. Let's see what you got. I if, I, if I was one of those arrogant ones, one of those ones that was just talking about stink about, about the Apostle Paul who actually founded the church, I'd just be like, you know, I was just kidding. I didn't really mean that. You know, what? I feel led like to move. I'm going to move? I'm going to move. Yeah, I'm going to move. I'm gonna... The Apostle Paul. I mean, he's really close to God. He, like, wrote most of the, you know, the New Testament epistles, he, right? I mean, he was raised to dead. Raised to dead. He, he, he got up out of a pile of rocks. He, he's a, the Apostle Paul. He's like the ever-ready ever bunny. He couldn't be stopped. So he's coming to visit, and he's coming to see what's going on. They had to be terrified see what kind of power you have. It's like the great great showdown at the OK Corral, spiritually speaking. Reminds me of a friend of mine, and uh, he was talking to a friend of his, and they were going back and forth about tongues and and the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues. And so a period of time went by, and uh, they met up again, and... uh, the guy said, "Well, I, I've I've got my prayer language. I pray in tongues now." And my friend says, "You do?" He says, "Yeah." He says, "Awesome. Let me hear him." I no, I I don't, don't want to do that right now. Listen, God wants you to manifest His power, and you should not be ashamed to call it hyper spiritual. It's normal. You know what normal Christianity? Normal Christianity signs, wonders, and miracles. You know what's weird? You know what's really weird? You know what I think's weird? I think it's weird when there's not signs, wonders, and miracles. Yeah. See, because it doesn't even make sense. What does Christ mean? Christ, Christian means little Christ, right? What did Jesus do? He did miracles, signs, and wonders. And in and, and, and certain circles that, that I've, my closest friends and that are in, they believe in signs, wonders, and miracles, but there's no contending for it. There's no declaring it. It's just like you hope that God comes and does something as opposed to who is it that works miracles among you? There are miracles. There's a gift of miracles. You know who that operates through? People. People by the Holy Spirit. All right. Are you getting anything? The kingdom of God is not a matter of talk but power. All right, what's God saying to us? Very simply, what God is saying, there should not be a separation between the preaching of God's word and miracle demonstration, signs, and wonders. And in our own life, there should no, we should not be separated from miracle signs, and wonders. So let me just tell you something that happened to me uh, just this week. I had a numer- we had numerous miracles this week for the church, some of which I cannot tell you just yet. But I'll tell you these, these few. I wrestled with the Lord a number of days ago and in my wrestling with the Lord between one and three, it's kind of like the time that He wakes me up to pray. And I know some of you are like, yo, I can't wait to get up to intercede at one and three. I'm like, oh, man. I get up, I'm like, Lord, really? Really? And I just lie there. He's like, yeah, really? Oh, my. Okay. And then, you know, it's like, it's like movie credits. It's just like stuff begins to come and I begin to pray and I pray in spirit. Sometimes I don't know what to pray. And so I just pray in the Holy Ghost. I pray in my prayer language and just let this, let these things roll and God begins to speak to me. And I, I'm sort of journeying around seeing things and, 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 and making decisions and praying and letting God speak to me and scripture flowing. And this can happen for hours. And I, like I said, it's not my favorite thing. And Lord, Lord, you can just do it anytime you want to. My life is yours. Because I like sleeping. I was afraid that I'm, I don't know, it's probably a bondage. You probably need to pray for me. I have an idol of sleep. I, don't, I hate getting up and I'm exhausted and have to have a full day. Does anybody know what that's like? You know, the thing about that though is when I give myself fully to it, I wake up refreshed. I, I should probably never forget that. Don't ever forget that. And so as I'm praying through these things, I started thinking about our building, started thinking about the fact that we have a lot of empty seats and started questioning about God's power. And and the Lord's just encouraging me to to just keep keeping on. The following day, I was called by two different prophets and now three today. And they began to tell me the well, one man says, young man, he's been here as a worldwide ministry, tremendous revivalist is what I'm going to call him, Jonathan Shuttlesworth. And he began to tell me just how amazing God is moving in this church and how he loved coming here. And I won't tell you all that he said, but it was very, very encouraging. And he basically encouraged to say that, man, thousands of people are coming. Man, you ride on it. And I just thought, oh, thank you, Jesus. That was a fruit of my prayer time at one to to three in the morning or whatever it was. I got called by Ivan Tate. How many of you know who Ivan Tate is? Ivan Tate randomly texts me and and then calls me and and tells me he's been married for 40 years. And I said, hallelujah. And I said, I'm right behind you. I've been married for 20. On on Wednesday, I'm married 20 years, my anniversary. And so we said, oh, glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. And then he just goes on this monologue. And here's what he says. He says, you know, when I was a kid, I was 20 years old and my wife was 17 and we were part of a church and I was responsible for the deliverance ministry in the church. There was about seven other people on staff and uh, the Lord spoke to me that I was supposed to go and be a traveling evangelist and that God would bring revival. So I told my pastor, I told the staff and they all agreed it was God. Of course, I told my wife and she agreed and we prayed and we felt like the Lord spoke to us to go get a travel trailer. And it's like 1970 something, I think, okay? It's a long time ago. And so they go and they look at a travel trailer and it's $14,000. They go, they didn't have two cents. I mean, they, 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 he made $125 at the church. He had a paper route for another 125 and his wife worked to, to uh, as a dental assistant and made about the same and together they hope to make it every month. So they look at a travel trailer, you know, tow behind like a fifth wheel kind of thing, $14,000. They go into a bank, they've got no credit, they've got no nothing, and they say, you know, we're called into the ministry and we want to buy this, this 14000 and we'll, we'll pay it, take our word for it. And the bank looked at him and said, okay, we'll believe you're going to do that. And they gave them a $14,000 loan, they went down, they bought the trailer. This was all within the first week of getting the word. Okay, And he's telling me this on the phone, just two days ago. And then he, and then he says, you know, and then a, a guest speaker came through that weekend and he heard about the word that... It's a word that he got from the Lord himself. It wasn't like somebody else gave it to him. And so he heard about the word and the guest speaker said, you need to come with me to Texas. I want you to meet some people. Just come down to Texas. So he goes down to Texas to this pastor's convention thing. And the first meeting is going to be a a two o'clock meeting, two in the afternoon, and then they're going to have an evening meeting. They get to the hotel room and this guest evangelist renowned guy gets sick as a dog calls the pastor, the host pastor, and says, I can't preach, I'm sick. So the pastor comes over to the hotel room to lay hands on him and believe for a miracle because hundreds and hundreds of pastors have come to this event. And now the the, the main keynote speaker is sick. So he says, no, I I can't speak, I'm sick. You've got to preach at two o'clock. And he runs off and throws up and gives the whole meeting back to the host pastor. He says, you've got to preach. And he runs and he gets sick in the bathroom. I, little Ivan Tate, standing there at 20 years old. And the, and the host pastor says, Shakata, Jesus, okay, 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 okay. You're, you're going to preach. Can you preach? He's like, yeah. He says, okay, you're going to preach at 2 o'clock. I'm going to do the evening service. All right, that starts in an hour and a half. I'll see you there. He, he leaves. He goes and prays in the Spirit and gets a message together, whatever. Shows up, 2 o'clock. Gets up, worship, gets up to preach, and the power of heaven falls on all of these pastors, weeping, crying. People fall to the ground, repentance, and outpouring of the spirit that goes all the way into the evening. And he became the keynote speaker for that weekend. And when he left that weekend of a pastor's training thing, he had an entire year filled with, with, with invitations to go and preach. And he starts laughing while he said, ah, ha, ha, ha He's laughing and he says, ah, ha. I've been traveling ever since. Ah, ah, ah. And then he says, God is bringing thousands of people. He's bringing thousands. He says the same word that this other brother said, and then I heard it again today. And I had an encounter. I'm telling you all of this to tell you this about that. Signs, wonders, and miracles are normal fare. Now, I've seen people be fruitcake and have no character. I I love what the Haggerty's say. You've got to have character to hold the anointing. Because if you have an anointing that exceeds your character, you're going to kill people. So I believe in character training. I believe in teaching. But you must contend for the outpouring of the Spirit. The first century church grew by miracles. It didn't grow by simple teaching. So where is the miracle power in your life? Pastor Alex, can you come and soothe us or something? We need help. Yeah. Praise God, just come. Make, make us all feel just a little bit easier. There shouldn't be a separation between the preaching of God's word and miracles. They go together. Like peas in a pod. They go together. And we have to be careful that we're not contending for God's power and we're getting a, an intellectual gospel. It doesn't work in, in, in foreign countries. It doesn't work in, in the poverty-stricken world. That's right. You know why? Yeah. You try to teach something that's slithering across the floor, barking at you. Yeah. A human being demonized. Yeah. I have a friend. Went to preach the Gospels in South America somewhere. And he was preaching kind of like I'm preaching. And then they had some pastors say, you really believe in that? You really believe in? I'll show. I'll show you a problem we have. Let's see what kind of power you have. Well, you know, he says to himself, "Yeah, let's do it." And he started starts to get a little bit nervous. And they take him down this road, and they take him to this 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 place. And he and they stop in the middle of this dirt road. It's a small town somewhere, and and uh, Jason Adair. So you, you know him. He you, you could contact and ask him to tell you the story. It's the story. They stop and they say, "Okay." Just around this corner, there's a mango tree. And at the mango tree, there's a lady that's chained to the mango tree. She lives there. And the last people we took here got almost killed by her. And she is extremely violent. It's not really a human being that's there. She's chained there. They chained her there she over, over a year ago or something. They would throw food at her and she lived under the mango tree. She was married and she had children, but she hadn't, she, you know, no more, no more marriage, of course, because she's totally demonized and underneath a mango tree. And her her kids, everybody would weep. And she, she basically mocked and destroyed all who came through to try to teach, to try to talk to them, talk to her. So he said, well, let, let's do it. They, they turned the corner and there she was. She got up. It's a true story now. This is not something that, you know, you won't even read this in the book just yet. The book's not out. She got up off the ground, jumped like Michael Jordan, pulled a mango off the tree, and threw it with pinpoint accuracy and took out one of the people that was with him. Just beamed him. You know what mangoes are? Okay, just just clocked them with a mango. And she started firing mangoes at the rate of speed that was just like supernaturally demonic. And as you're throwing these mangoes, he says that he was overcome by the power of the Holy Spirit. I've had a couple instances like this where, where God just comes on you. He puts you on. In other words, it's not like you begin to think about how you're going to approach the tactical method of how you're going to get around the, the, the thousand mile an hour mango. And then, you know, and then it, there's no thought process. He gets possessed by the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And as he's, as he's hollering in some unknown language, running full speed towards her, consumed by God's compassion and power. The closer he gets, she begins to shake. His, and I believe his wife was there. They grabbed this lady by the head. They prayed and commanded that thing to silence and be still, and she was frozen. She, demon power got broken off. They led her to Christ, and she got saved. I mean, she got saved. There were tears, weeping, weeping, crying. The town! The town is looking on! They undid the chain... And she has. I want to go home. I want to go home. And they led her back to her house where her husband was. And he got saved. And all of her beautiful children clinging to her and holding on to her as God restored this broken family for well over a year. I will tell you that America needs a demonstration of power like that. But we oftentimes, through our own intellect, shut down the power of God. And we think that we can teach demons. You can't teach demons. Sickness, infirmity, and disease need to be driven out by the very Word of the Lord. You need to understand the power you have in the Gospel. This is not some impotent, lame duck Christianity. And if you do have a walk like that, (laughs) confront it and say, "Man, I don't want to be like that. And say, God, I, I need an encounter with you. Oh, God, I want you to come. You know, when you're hungry and you're broken, it'll cause you to do things that when you're not hungry and broken, you'll never do. But when you're hungry and broken and thirsty and desperate, you you will be willing to look like a fool in the face of your peers in order to be embraced in the arms of your Master. You'll be willing to throw yourself on an altar. I'm not talking about manifesting something so somebody looks at you and says, well, aren't they spiritual? I'm talking about a deep brokenness. We need revival. That's what we need. We need an awakening. Where are the Charles Finneys? Where are the Jonathan Edwards? Where are the people who will turn from the things of time and tradition and begin to cry out for a manifestation of the kingdom's power? There is a religious demon that wants to get a hold of you, push you in a hole, and get you to say the rosary or get you to say some little now I lay me down to sleep prayer that's not going to deliver your kid. It's not going to protect your kid. It's going to put fear and manipulation. Come on, there's even pastors across the land trying to get you in addicted to the honey that flows from their lips. But there's no demonstration and there's no power. I don't want that. I refuse that. I believe that God wants to set us ablaze. I believe that God wants to set us on fire. I believe that God wants us to contend for the miracle power of God. That when people come they receive something from God. Not eloquence. Not wisdom of man. But power. Demonstration of the Spirit of God. That your faith would not be. Your faith would not be man. Come on, where is the Lord, God of Elijah? Where are the people that can see miracles, signs and wonders? I believe He's raising them up right here. Come on, put your hands together for Jesus. Come on, shout to a God with a, to the God with voice of triumph. Let me quickly close. You may be seated, please. In John 14:12, very truly, I tell you. Whoever believes in me. (sighs) Sorry. It wasn't. It wasn't a mocha that kept me in church. It wasn't three shots. Mocha, latte. It was the power of God. He met me, he reached out, he touched me. So, so lost and so hurting, but he reached across in the muck and the mire and he touched my heart to tell me that he's real. That he's real. That he has power. He has power. It's greater than sickness, disease, your depression. He has got power. He's not afraid of your sin. He's not even mad at you. No, He, he, he releases wrath on His Son, Jesus. You might feel like the worst sinner in all the world. I'm, i i got to get away from my notes. They're, they're pretty good, I think, but I'm done. You might feel like the worst sinner in this place. You might have things in your life that mock the gospel. Confront those and come to Him, all you who are weary and heavy laden and He will give you rest. Come unto Him, the Author, the Finisher, the Perfector. Come to Him who speaks and mountains tremble. Come to Him whose voice is the sound of many waters. Come unto Him, ho, oh, all who are thirsty. Oh, come unto Him. Come unto the Lord, the, the, the Creator of all the earth, everlasting to everlasting, who made the stars, He made the sea, and He made the land. And He made you, and He made me, and He loves you. He cares for you. Oh, why do you worry? Why do you complain? Why are you downhearted? Consider the lilies of the field. Oh, Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like any one of these. Oh, you of little faith, come unto me, says the Lord. And I will give you strength, and I will give you power. I will release my healing to you. I am a strong tower. I am a sun and shield. I am an ever-present help in time of trouble, the Lord would say. And this obstacle that you face. Take your prophetic finger in the name of Jesus. Repent of your sin and command that thing to move. You know, demons, demons don't understand anything but authority. And many times they'll test you. And some of you are tolerating that which Jesus died on a cross and rose again from the grave so that you could be free. Don't ever tolerate something that Jesus set you free from. John 14 gives a... Gives a recipe of how we can walk in supernatural power. It's, it, it's tied to prayer. Ask of me. Ask anything in my, my name, my Father will give it to you. Ask anything, anything. I'll give it to you, prayer life. It talks about the Holy Spirit. He'll give you a helper, an advocate, a standby, the paracletos, the Holy Spirit. Very hard to live as a Christian without the power of the Holy Spirit. We're going to take communion. Ushers, would you help us please? My time's about done and I really try to be sensitive to your time. For us step aside from the things of time and tradition study to show yourself a, a workman approved approved by God rightly dividing the word of truth and be a vessel of his power and his glory don't let your reason be a guillotine for miracles do you understand what I just said don't let reason guillotine the miracle power of God you had to think about the strategy for taking down Jericho well it certainly wouldn't be go around seven times and then shout I mean that's stupid yes man's wisdom is stupid oh the foolish things of the world to confound the wise Gideon with the pot and the torch and screaming and smashing your what, what kind of military thing I teach that at West Point here's the West Point strategy I'm not mocking West Point. There are strategies. You have to have them. But God will give you strategies that many times don't make sense to your rational mind. And if you're not willing to obey, that's in those bottom notes somewhere. you got to obey. If you love me, you'll obey my commands. God has a prescribed way of loving. Many people want miracle power. They don't want to obey. They, want, they don't want to obey. They don't want to pray. They want to... Listen, anytime you step into an atmosphere where there's power and anointing, it's because somebody's prayed. There's, there's a price that's paid through prayer. Would you all stand up on your feet? We're going to receive communion. If you're not right with God, my time is up. Jesus, help me. Stop the clock, oh God. If you're not right with God, well, don't you leave this place in the condition you came in. Because there really is a place called hell and it's to be shunned by everyone. There's a way out. It's called receiving Jesus. You must be born again. Jesus said to Nicodemus in John 3, you must be born again again. If you can't remember when you were born again, well, then the odds are you probably haven't been born again, because it's not the kind of thing that you forget. All across this place, every head bowed, every eye closed, those online, on, on YouTube Live, Facebook Live, all across, all across the nations, examine your heart. If you died today, do you know for sure whether you would go to heaven? If you don't, if you can't say yes, unequivocally, with confidence, then you need to give your heart to Jesus afresh, or maybe a recommitment. Maybe you drifted. You know, you're not right. I talk about joining my church. I'm not talking about anything. I'm not talking about joining the kingdom of God. I'm talking about joining His church, the universal. And I do believe you have to have a home church. I do believe you should have a local church and commit to it, absolutely, and, and, and grow and get discipled. But the first step of walking in the supernatural is receiving the supernatural one, receiving Jesus, the King of the kingdom. And if you haven't done that, do it today. All across this place, those online, you say, that's me, Pastor Daniel. Wonderful. Let's all pray together. Say, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your Son Jesus to die in my place. Forgive me of all of my sin. And come into my heart. Come into my life. And be my Lord and Savior. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen. Let me pray for you and then in a moment, I'll lead you in communion. Holy Spirit, I pray, fill and touch. Break every chain, every bondage. Cause people to love you, love your word, love the people of God, have fellowship, fulfill all the destiny and purpose you have for each and every one. Hallelujah.